Guys, my book, Leaving and Finding Jesus, is available now on Amazon and our website, afamilystory.org. All right, let's get to the podcast. Well, Derek, new year, new season. Yeah, happy new year, Jason. I don't know when this comes out, but we just had Robin Smith on. Yeah, Robin uh, wrote a book called It Is Finished that was one of my favorite books on the finished work of the cross. I mean, this statement, you know, what if 2000 years ago was the catalyst that changed everything? Of course, you and I believe that, but one of the things her book gets into is just a rock solid interpretation of that finished work and who we are in and with Christ. Yeah, we talked from instead of toward. We talked about sin. We talked about grace. Um, we talked about union, right? Yeah. We talked about salvation and awakening to the love of God, but all of it from a finished place, all of it from instead of toward. Yeah. And I think the teaser for everybody here today is, could you possibly believe that you captivated God from before <laughs> time began? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe you have yeah. a, maybe you have a trouble believing that you captivated God before time began. Robin's going to help you with that. Yeah, that's for sure, man. Especially in the second half, we really dove into the value, our worth, uh, the fact that he loves us for who we are. I love that she talks about those Jesus glasses, that he doesn't look at us through Jesus glasses. Uh, right. Because I, 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 I grew up with those ideas that God couldn't look at me unless he put his Jesus glasses on. <laughs> uh, and she, she works through that and, and uh, really highlights the fact that God really loves us. Yeah, he really, really loves us, uh, and he doesn't have to look through Jesus to love us. He just loves. Us. And you know, it begs the question, Jason: Does Jesus really even need glasses or God? <laughs> no, no, they can see us perfectly and truly. In fact, that's the point. They see that's us right. for who we really are, that's and we right. need to come up to their view. Uh, Robin also started basically a publishing company. We talked yeah. about that. So if you're a writer, uh, you're going to want to listen to this this episode. She's yeah. going to be really helpful to young writers. Yeah, that's right. You can find her at robinsmithsmit.com. That's her personal page. And then the Writer Society, the Writer Society.online uh, is the publishing company. And yeah, I'm I'm going to be in touch with her about some of the things that I've been working on, past projects, and then maybe some future stuff too. And I, I know you guys have talked as well, but I love too that she is the parameters are Trinitarian, Christological, and that she's helping people uh, at any stage of writing. Grace. Yeah, grace. And grace. Well, hey, let's let's jump into it and let Robin speak for herself. This was a good interview and it's uh, good to be back with you in a new year, Jason. Hey, everybody, we're here with Robin Smith. So excited to have her with us today. She wrote a book called It Is Finished. She's written other books as well, but this is my personal favorite. Robin, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. This is fun. Yeah. Now, according to your book here on the back, it says, what if 2000 years ago was the catalyst that changed everything? I love that. And uh, obviously, we believe that. Yeah. I want to kind of center in on this book to start with. It is finished because I feel like this is really your kind of life message. Yeah. In fact, the other day I had someone on Twitter say, what are the best three words you've ever heard? And of course, a lot of people said, I love you. 
which is a good, mm-hmm. but the best three words I think I've ever heard are it is finished. <laughs> Agreed. And to dive into the finished work of Christ, that's what you do in this book. Um, I guess in light of the name of our podcast, how did you come to this line of thinking? Like, how did you rethink God, maybe a way that you used to think about him into the God that you write about in this book that looks like Jesus? Um, well, I had a friend who I came come from an AG background, word of faith background. And I had a friend who introduced me to Steve McVeigh's books. Yeah. Um, and Andrew Womack, but Steve McVeigh. And so I started reading Steve's books and then I just kind of fell into, uh, the mirror Bible uh-huh. with Francois Dutoy and yeah, Jason's um, had him on the podcast before. Oh, fun. <laughs> I just met him the other day yeah. or oh, last month at a conference. So that was fun. He's, they're making the um, tour, aren't they? Yeah. We saw him last month. Oh, you did. Yeah. yeah I love him. Beautiful couple, yeah. beautiful couple. Uh, so I started, uh, I listened to, I joined um, Steve McVeigh's chat room, and he was talking about his school that he does with Don Keithley, um, Global Grace Seminary. And so I joined. I was already super busy with everything, but I joined, and goodness, my thinking changed. You know, all of a sudden, I met the father for the first time. <laughs> I mean, I thought I knew him, but yeah. I didn't. Yeah. And realizing that um, we never had a nature change. You know, right. we've always been sons and daughters yeah. that the father's always loved me. Didn't see me through the eyes of Jesus. He saw me, yeah. you know, and has always seen me. Yeah. And I started uh, getting just going deeper in the revelation of our redemption being finished. And um, it's just keeps growing to where, gosh, once you start seeing finished, you see it everywhere in everything, you know, right. and it yeah. doesn't leave anything out. So that was it. My uh, doc, Cecil, I don't know if you guys know Cecil Cockrum. He asked me to write an article for him on full man redemption. And he had been after me to write a book, but I just didn't know how. So right. I said, well, I can do an article. And a week later, I had 20,000 words in that book. And wow. so I just kept going. So that's your first book. My first book. Yeah. Yeah. Were you writing before that? Just on a blog, you know, um, I have a blog, but that question on the back was just so deep on the inside of me, you know, that everything changed 2000 years ago. I spent all morning on the blog and I have more highlighted uh, quotes from you on a word doc. Uh, that I'm probably going to quote back to you here over the course of this conversation. But okay. I have a feeling that we're going to be fast friends because oh, as I'm yes. reading your <laughs> as I'm reading your words, I'm thinking, my goodness, one of the best things about this podcast for me has been, um, and I don't know if this was for you, and I'd love to have you share a little bit of your personal story uh, as well. But for me, I grew up in the church, got saved when I was five. And, and now I look back and say I, that was just, you know, a, a moment where I awakened to who, to the Christ that was in me. Right. But, yeah. but um, there was a lot of lonely years. And the mm-hmm. thing that I loved about this podcast is when we launched it, I, I really had felt like um, I was the only person that was thinking like this <laughs> uh, about or five years ago. And, and most of the time, whenever I would talk about it, I had to be really cautious or Mm -hmm. I'd get my hand slapped. Um, and, and I'm a very relational guy and, and that's the most important thing for me. It's how I found myself here anyway. 
But what I love about this podcast is that we get to have these conversations where I'm discovering people like Don Keithley and Steve McVeigh and Robin yeah. Smith and and uh, you know the um, we had Baxter Kruger on and, and man when I found this this love thing the him. Mirror Bible I all of a sudden was like oh my goodness somebody is actually reading scripture through our identity through grace yes. revealing uh, finding Jesus in every page mm -hmm. and finished work of the cross. And mm -hmm. so I, I would love for you to maybe tell a little bit of your story. Maybe um, I imagine there's been some lonely years. Like how did you wrestle? Where did you grow up? We di I didn't grow up in church. Um, I grew up in California. I've always lived in California. I didn't grow up in church at all. I mean, I went to a couple of services with my cousins, um, but didn't really grow up in church. We didn't go every Sunday uh, at 25. I got saved. I was sick. I had um, endometriosis and okay. was told I wouldn't have kids, which by the way, I have four. Um, wow. And so I was really sick. I had a, a friend whose mom was saved and she took me to a meeting. I don't even know if you guys know the guy's name, Donnie Moore. Um, Anyway, he was a minister out here in California, and he used to do these feats of strength. You know, him and a, a few guys—they were—they were big guys, and they would, you know, break the bricks and everything. And anyway, he was at a meeting, and so I went and power team. <laughs> I have been the power team. Yeah, <laughs> the power team. And so I went to the meeting um, just so she would stop inviting me. I wasn't even really interested in going. I was twenty-five, you know, except for being sick. Life was good. Um, and I went to the meeting and there was a woman who was singing and she was talking about the love of God mm. and I just didn't have that, you know? Yeah. And so I went forward and my life was never the same. I, <laughs> I got involved in a word of faith church, uh, well, actually an AG church at that point and, yeah. uh, met my husband, um, yeah. We worked <laughs> with a ministry that was a bit legalistic. It was kind of more of a shepherding thing. He was um, he was an interesting guy. He was young, um, same age as we were, so we were all twenty five, and sure. uh, he just was had a he was a bit controlling. And so, but the first message I ever heard was I had a, we had a, an older pastor. Um, and his message was Christ in you, the hope of glory, you know, yeah. and that was just a solid foundation on the yeah. inside. Yeah. And even though, you know, we kind of went away from that with this controlling pastor, it's still, you know, it holds you that one message, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's it. We just, we had our kids. We were at Word of Faith Church, a Rhema church, um, learned a lot of great things, but still something was missing, you know? Yeah. Um, hey, Jason, something I think. It's so interesting listening to Robin about how all these circles just kind of start coming together of relationships and people. Yeah. I mean, that's my background. Almost exactly. Robin grew up AG really uh, straight into word of faith. After that, Tulsa, Oklahoma, the home of Rhema, mm -hmm. the Mecca of word of faith. Yes. And, uh, yes. but, um, and thankful, you know, really thankful for, uh, the emphasis on the word, the heritage, of a lot of the a lot of the things, but I think I can definitely relate with the the controlling aspects or the shepherding aspects that got a little heavy handed. Yeah, and uh, you know, one of the things I think I love about your book, it is finished, is that you you really dive into a lot of the Hebrew 
words, the Greek words. Um, but you do it in such a way that is, is relatable mm. and easily readable. It's not a super scholarly work, although there's a lot of scholarly effort in it. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't read like an academic book. Um, oh, good. It comes so much from your heart. Uh, in fact, I've, I just want to like read one thing here from the foreword or the introduction. I'm sorry, your introduction where you talk about there's no Hebrew word for obey. And then you talk about the word yeah. uh, Shema or Shema, uh, the Hebrew word that translates to hear. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want you to elaborate on some of the things that you that brought you to bring out some of these different words and do these these studies and how that kind of permeates this whole book. Your book, it is finished. But I do. I first have to tell a quick little story about my dad. Um, growing up, my dad had this exact same concept. He probably was not aware of the translation of the word obey and Shema and all these things. But um, he would say, you know, Derek, uh, he'd tell me to like take out the trash, you know? And I was like, yeah, dad, I hear you. He'd get home that night. Trash was not taken out. And I said, yeah, yeah, dad, I hear you. He goes, no, son, you didn't hear me until you did it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Wow. And hearing is, uh, you know, hearkening unto, you know, that true voice of the father. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love how you bring that out in this book. Tell me a little bit about that, about your, this, this hearkening unto or hearing and listening. You said that we choose to obey, to obey based on our evaluation. What, what, what do you want to say about that? Cause I think that's really interesting. I love the word Shema, you know, for hearing um, or obeying it's uh, to obey from the heart. You know, it's a hearing but it's a heart response. You know, it's as if your spouse comes to you and says, Hey, can you do me a favor? Your immediate response is yes. You know, you don't evaluate whether you have time, you don't evaluate, you know, uh, any inconveniences it's going to cause you. It's just your heart says, yes, yes, I'll do that. You know? And I think that's what Shema is, or at least for me, that's what it is. You know, we're not evaluating, do I want to do this? You know, um, what am I going to get out of doing this? How, what's going to inconvenience me? It's just, yes, dad, Yeah. you know, without understanding, Yeah. you know, understanding comes later. Yeah. You know, he yeah. says to us, you're whole, you're healed. And our Shema is yes, mm-hmm. I'm whole, I'm healed. I don't understand that, but yes, I, I align with you. You know, I, or to quote Baxter, I side with Jesus, right? I side with him on this and then understanding comes. That's my take on it. Um, I had two thoughts, but did God heal you? God obviously healed you. You can speak to that. Multiple times, (laughs) although that's not what my book I am healed is about. Right. (laughs) It has nothing to do with my healing, but um, it's just our identity. We're healed. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I love the take on Obey, um, the book that you just got, uh, Leaving and Finding Jesus. Um, There's a chapter called, He Calls Us Friends. And uh, the passion version of of a particular scripture, I no longer call you servant, I call you friends, uh, is my favorite because I think he got it right, even though Mm -hmm. I don't know about the Greek. I didn't do that study. I'm pretty sure he got it right uh, (laughs) where... um, he, he writes, I never called you servant. Mm-hmm. I've always called you most beloved friends. That's right. For everything that the Father's revealed to me, you know, I, I've revealed to you. But, but I, 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 I write in that chapter about 
um, obedience in the context of family and in the context of my relationship to my son as a heart to heart connection where what you're talking about is true, um, where he has the opportunity to lean into trust in the places where he doesn't understand so that he can grow and mature and begin to discover my heart becoming his heart. And there's that it's, it's an, an entire relational thing. The whole point for me was that I've, I've never called my son servant. He's mm-hmm. always been my friend. That's We've right. Created a culture of friendship in which he matures until at some point we're mm-hmm. running arm in arm, uh, which, you know, at 21, that's what's happening. Uh, but, uh, you know, my best friend, but I, I, I for me, I, I love what I was reading today because you are able to break down, um, uh, theologically and through scripture, uh, what God is saying. Um, mm-hmm. and it is so much about the value of who we are. Mm-hmm. There's this lens through which you, uh, are writing and interpreting is so much about the value of who we are, that we're so worth the blood of Jesus, that this wasn't a transaction that took place at the cross, but that mm-hmm. this was a, a God stepping into flesh and and taking our delusion, our separation, our ideas of distance and delay to its conclusion mm-hmm. uh, so that we would know uh, who he, our value and our worth. And so that we could be one so that we could experience this relationship. Uh, I'd Amen. love for you to, to, to give an overview of this. It is finished because I think I grew up most of my life in the context of separation. My, my, mm-hmm. my faith, my, my entire Here's the here's the crazy thing. In my heart, I knew we were best friends. Mm-hmm. I knew he was my friend. I knew Jesus as my best friend. I would have told you that when I was 16. I would have told you that when I was 26. I I knew him as my best friend, but I grew up in a in a, a theological con- construct of separation where it was coming from the pulpit on a regular basis. We were sin counting. We were conscious of of the front row seat to what we'd gotten wrong that week. And, and it was constantly trying to get into Christ, trying to figure out how to get into Christ, always in Adam. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so even though I had this intimate relationship with Jesus, I was constantly being cut off by the distance and separation and delay that was being preached from the pulpit. And the huge shift in my life is is the day that, uh, and I've told the story, I won't do it again, but the huge shift in my life was the day that I discovered my in Christness, that it was a finished work mm-hmm. at the cross, that it is finished Amen. actually was about my in Christness. Yeah. Uh, I would love for you to speak to that because you said that's your favorite book and I think you could spend some time on it. It is. It is my favorite book. Um, you know... <laughs> For me, it was um, the father. I, I have a good dad. You know, my dad's an amazing man. He is. He is really. He's a good dad. He's a great husband. He's. He's just an amazing man. He's full of honor, yeah. um, but he always uh, demanded exact obedience. You know, I mean, it was yeah. his way or the highway. You know, um, even with being a good man, and so to find out when Jesus said it is finished that yes, he finished it all, but he finished what the father had already established for all of us. Does that make sense? You know, he finished what Adam failed at, you know, but the father is a good father, but he's not demanding exact obedience from us. I don't have to work hard 
to become like Christ. I don't have to work hard to someday get a great inheritance from him until I stand before him and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, his obedience is my obedience. Jesus finished everything as us. And for me, with it is finished, it's everything that he finished as me. I mean, I'm one of those naturally, always my entire life, one of those naturally obedient people. You know, I just, I didn't have to struggle at obeying. I, I would do what I was told, but I would struggle with if I did enough, you know, right. did I do enough? Right. And so when, when right. I got saved, it was always, gosh, am I doing enough? Am I hearing quickly enough? Am I obeying quickly enough? Am I obeying right. fully enough? And right. to realize that it is finished, he did everything as me. His obedience is my obedience. His righteousness is my righteousness. I am yeah. fully redeemed. I am not waiting on a someday to stand before him and hear, well done. He stands before me and I look at him and say, well done, Jesus, you did it. You did it all. You did it as me, you know? And so when we're, it brings such intimacy because we look into his eyes and we see ourselves, you know? Um, yeah. And there's just nothing we're waiting on. Not one single thing. That's so good. I'm excited. It is exciting though, right? I mean, <laughs> we're not waiting on anything. There is nothing that we can't partake of right here, right now. And it stretches my thinking. It challenges me, you know. Um, gosh, resurrection life on the inside of us. It's yeah. finished. That yeah. we have just life. There is no death. There is no sickness. There is no disease. I know we see that in the world, you know, but the truth of the matter is, it's finished. When he took sin out of the world, right? Because John saw him, uh, John the Baptist, and said, Here's the one who takes sin away from the world. When he did yeah. that, death naturally went away, it was cause and effect. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. In all its forms. Yeah. So good, Rob. Yeah. And, and I think then the the only issue becomes awareness. Yeah. You have a whole chapter devoted to this in your book. It is finished. Yeah. On awareness. And one of the statements you make in in that chapter is that there's nothing in heaven that we don't already have access to right. here on earth. And you follow it up by saying the key to experiencing it is realizing that we are co seated yes. with him. And, and that speaks to uh, our awareness. And, and this is the problem I see um, in the church is, is people awakening to the reality of the finished work. And I think that honestly, I think it's a lifelong journey. Yes. Um, I'm still awakening to things of the finished work that are above and beyond I, things I could ask or think. Same. But this is all a part of reaching God. And I think for our audience, um, I, would, I would love for you to, to speak a little bit into that um, being co-seated with him. And then what does it take to help people walk in the awareness of the finished work? Cause that's, what's lacking. And it's not that it's not finished. It's not that it's not done. You know, I love, I love Bill Johnson's quote where he says, you can't afford to have a thought in your head about yourself that God doesn't have about you. That's right. Um, the renewing of the mind is so important, but what about that ability to wake someone up to the reality of what they already have? There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, uh, when the house is, um, I'm going to have to paraphrase it because I can't think of it exactly, but when the house is in ruin, you know, you show the house the house. 
you know, and I think that's what we're to do with people, Mm. you know, we're to show the house, the house, we're to show them who they are in Christ. Even if they don't understand it, we constantly speak identity into people. Mm. Uh, We are co-seated. It it doesn't get more finished than that. Jesus sat down because it is finished. (laughs) He took sin out of the world and he sat down. He took disease out of the world and he sat down. The distorted identity that we had in Adam, he took that out. Yeah. He sat down, right? He did it all and sat down. And you could go down an entire list of everything he did and he sat down, right? He healed our bodies and he sat down. He healed our minds and he sat down. He came into every dark place that we had in our minds and healed that. He assumed it, right? As us. And he sat down. Then he sat us down with him. You know, his being sat down in Hebrews, it says, this is the most important thing. This is the sum of everything I am saying. We have a high priest and he sat down. (laughs) And then Paul tells us over in Ephesians that he sat us down with him. (laughs) So he sat down because it is finished. Us being seated with him is huge part of our identity. We're seated because it's finished. We're not striving to get healed. We are healed. You know, and when I teach people from that perspective that they are already healed, that there is not, we're not waiting to get healed. We're not praying and asking God to heal us and then waiting for that manifestation. It's an identity issue. We are healed. You can't become any more healed than you already are. You know, we can see the tangible manifestation of that, but we're already healed. (laughs) Once you teach someone from that perspective, it becomes easy. You know, they start grabbing it, maybe not right away, but you know, you just keep on that vein of identity and eventually they just wake up. It just, the light bulb clicks, or at least that's been my experience with people. Yeah. You wrote on uh, an article on Romans 7 that I was reading on your Love yeah, Romans on your seven. website. I think we could spend a minute. Well, there's a whole chapter in the book oh, yeah. on it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I was like, dang, ta- you tackled Romans 7, Robin. Are you serious? <laughs> really? Well, there's a funny story behind that. But yeah. Oh, so we got to hear it. We got to hear it. I had I had just started GGS and um, was just learning all of this stuff about who we are. Um, although, you know, from Word of Faith, I knew who I was in Christ. Um, but just learning more of the finished aspect, you know, from it. But um, I was going to a Bible study and they were teaching on Romans and I was super excited because I love the book of Romans. So I jumped in on this Bible study and my goodness, it was horrible. I mean, it was really, really bad. They got to Romans 7 and started saying this was Paul, you know, um, oh, wretched man that I am talking about Paul and his apostleship. And I said, that's, that's not, no, I said, come on, that, that's not Paul. And I said, how many of here in this room think this is Paul, that he's talking about himself in his current state? Every hand went up in the room. And I, this is a word of faith church. This wasn't yeah. what I was taught in word of faith. And so I, I went home and I told my husband, this is wrong. And so I started doing a deep dive in Romans 7 because no, that's not Paul. Paul's not the Roman 7 man. We're not the Roman 7 man. There is no Roman seven man anymore, except in our yeah. in our wrong thinking, you know. Yeah. But Roman seven man was a man under the law. Guys, the book is out. Leaving and finding Jesus. I'm so excited about it. In this book, we trade a punishing God for reconciling love. 
we exchange the lens of retribution for the transforming revelation of God in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Wherever you are on the journey, I really believe this book will encourage you. So it's available now on Amazon or at our website, familystory.org. Buy it, buy multiple copies, share it, and then do me a favor. If it's blessed you, write a review on Amazon. Guys, I'm so thankful for you. So thankful to be on this journey with you, praying life and joy and wonder over you today. All right, let's get back to the podcast. I'm going to quote you, and I appreciate this. Um, and this was from that article, but you may have written it in the book. I, ha- I haven't. I haven't read the book yet. It's coming, but I, I appreciate this. She said, I don't want to present a, a great argument and win for the sake of winning. I don't want to convert you to believe what I believe. I want you to be fully persuaded by truth. Yeah. In light of the question that um, Derek had just asked, and then maybe into Romans 7, um, I, to me, my journey of awakening, if, if you're, if, and I love that word, I really do love that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, my journey of awakening has been one with a, with a kind and loving friend mm-hmm. who speaks to me in the language of my understanding and invites yeah. me continually uh, to be stretched mm-hmm. and, and to trust and mm-hmm. ultimately to trust that he's good and, uh, and that he's better than I perceived him to be yesterday. Amen. And so when I'm talking to folks about awakening to his love, uh, much like what you're talking about, I, 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 I really simplify it almost to the conversation that I had with my kids when they were five to 10. And I, and I would say, you know, my desire as a dad was that my kids wouldn't just know the names of God. They would encounter the interpretations. They would experience yeah. uh, his presence. And so I would say that the way that you recognize um, when God is speaking to you, I wanted my kids to know when God was speaking to him is, is simply to recognize those places where you are participating in love. Mm. And to the extent that you love your sister, of course, and you're talking to your son and he's six and they've mm. just had a fight, <laughs> then you bring it back to that moment, to the extent you've encountered uh, that experience with your sister, that moment that you feel love for you, that is the nature of God. And you can trust that. Right. That's the thing that you can trust. And in that place, I have discovered great awakening. What you're, what you're describing, um, it's so easy to read Romans sevens through the sin counting lens, through the sin conscious lens. We all have a front row seat and we right. live in this dualistic hierarchical understanding of, of, of life. And my goodness, our culture is at, is at each other's throats, mm-hmm. uh, with, with uh, for and against thinking. But, um, boy, when you begin to awaken to a love that you can trust, mm-hmm. Uh, you begin to uh, discover uh, this father in Christ who's reconciling the world and you begin to move down that road. Uh, it's, it's amazing what you discover in scripture. Mm-hmm. It's, there's two ways to read it. There's one ray, way where you read it through the veil of Moses mm-hmm. and there's another way where you read it through the grace of Christ. That's right. And, and so I would, I would love for you to, to, to walk us through Romans 7 a little bit because um, I think there's so much that you carry in that. I, I read all three articles. I'm sure I probably was just reading uh, the, the the chapter now that you've mentioned it. But I read, you have, you have three articles on your website on chapter seven, and I've got all kinds of quotes I could quote you on. But. <laughs> um, well, I think uh, Romans seven, just the way it begins is that it's not to us. You know, it's obvious that he's talking 
to the Jews. He's talking to those who had been under the law because even they aren't under the law anymore, but they were still seeing themselves under the law. And so it's not to us. We could really just cross it out of our Bibles, not even go there, just go from chapter six all the way over to chapter eight and be just fine. We don't even need it. It's not (laughs) to us. Um, But I think the biggest argument for people is that it's in the present tense, you know, but that really right. shouldn't be how we read scripture. I mean, I like the tenses in the Bible, but I don't know that we understand them fully. You know, we read future tense and we think, well, this is going to be something that happens someday. And we read present tense. This must be happening right now. Um, there's also a historical present tense, you know, and Paul uses that over in, um, man, you can't think of scripture when you want to pull it off the top of your head. Is it uh, Colossians where he's talking about um, that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews and he's talking about his his life. Uh, and it's obvious that he's talking about who he was as Saul and not as Paul, yeah, but yeah. he uses that in present tense. Um, why we don't consider that Paul the Apostle, you know, we all know that he's talking about Saul, but he uses the same tense in Romans 7 when he says, oh, wretched man that I am, you know, it's a present tense, but I do believe it's a historical present tense. It's to draw the reader into the conversation to make them feel, you know, like they're right there at that moment. And he's right there at that moment. It's who he is when he was under the law. Um, Romans... um, Seven, five, and six is uh, the pivotal verses in Romans seven. Um, it's summing up the next few verses that he's going to do. So Romans seven, six, we can link to Romans eight because what happens is we read scripture um, chapter and verse, and it wasn't written chapter and verse; it was a letter and meant to be read as a letter. So we can't just pull seven out and just study chapter seven. Um, chapter seven flows right into chapter eight yeah. and chapter yeah. Uh, yeah. seven, six is talking about that. Whereas seven, five is talking about all the way up to that. Yeah. Um, you can't read seven chapter seven and forget what he just said in Romans six. Right. I mean, he was so clear, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, the, there's this verse in, uh, in, in six where Paul is, and, and you think about this, he's preaching to the Romans and I, and I've used this verse often to say, if you're preaching grace, well, you're going to have to, at some point you'll have to stop. He says, should I go on sinning that grace may increase? He's preaching grace to a law mindset and he has to stop himself because he knows that when they hear him preach grace, they actually are hearing, should I go on sinning? Did I get more of this grace thing? And then of course he says, by all means, no. And I, and I often say, you know, you're preaching grace well, when you have to interrupt your preach to, Mm -hmm. to, to say, no, I'm not saying sin more. (laughs) That's not the conversation we're having. (laughs) That's the, for me, the, the, the lens, right? I, I grew up where you had to balance grace, but you talk about it's, Mm -hmm. you, you can't do grace and law. It's one or the other. And to me, what's happening in Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 is he is juxtaposing law and grace, and he is highlighting yes. that grace is a different paradigm. It's not to be balanced. It's, a, it's to be received and participated in, and it's already been given yeah. to us. And so I would love for you to talk on grace a little bit, because that was, for me, the huge takeaway that as I was reading this, I was like, oh my gosh, he's preaching grace the way the church needs to, to understand grace. It's not this, I've heard it this way. That, that there's this road and they got grace 
case on one side and you got, you know, you got to, and then you got law on the other and you got to, these are ditches. You don't want to be in either one of them. And so you got to balance this thing. And all that is, 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 is law with this pretty it's word we put over it called grace. And I would love for you to speak to that a little. Yeah. Grace and law cannot coexist. They, you know, there is only grace, yeah. you know, we are not under the law. There is only grace. And when he's talking about, you know, when sin abounded, that's a past tense. Yeah. He's talking about there was a time when sin abounded, yeah. but grace abounds, you know, grace right now, we reign and rule in grace, yeah. right? There is no sin abounding. Although when we do, um, for lack of a better word, when we do sin, when we do wrong things, you know, there is grace that abounds in the moment, of course. But in in context of what Paul was writing, there is no sin abounding and grace abounding more sin abounded yeah it's been done away with jesus took it out of the world that's not even an issue anymore there is only grace abounding and you get over to romans 8 where paul talks about the law of sin and death and the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus the law of sin and death no longer exists yeah it's not like Okay, as long as I stay under grace, I'm away from the law of sin and death. But boy, if I get out from under that umbrella, I'm over here in the law of sin and death. There is no law of sin and death. When Paul said, you know, should I, uh, am I saying that, you know, when grace, what, um, gosh, I'm so sorry. What is that? See, I like notes in front of me. But what is that scripture? Uh, The sin about grace much more about. The next one where he says, am I saying that we, we continue in sin? Heaven forbid, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Paul gets so excited, and and you can hear Paul's passion. And one day I was reading him, and I heard the Lord say, read it this way. There is no more sin. I'm not saying you're going to continue in sin, because there is no more. You couldn't go back to sin if you tried. It no longer exists. There is no, we are in grace, fully in grace. It is finished. He is... Grace lives on the inside yeah. of us, right? right Himself, right. a person, yeah. grace. Yeah. There is no sin and death. Yeah. It's not a yeah. coexistence. I don't have to worry about falling into sin. He's talking to the Jews who, yeah. uh, for them, the law kept them from being a sinner like the Gentiles. You know, And so now Paul's talking about doing yeah. away with the law, that the law was not there, that it no longer they had died to it. And to them, their immediate connection is, well, then that makes me a sinner like the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Right. And Paul's saying, no, that's not who you are. It's grace, 100% grace. Yeah. How, how, could, how can a dead person sin? I mean, they literally don't even have any capacity to do that. And, no. and being identified with Christ means by being identified with his death, his burial, his resurrection. That's right. Um, and yeah, I love that. I love that. And of course, Romans 8 just is the crescendo. Yeah. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Um, and then even then, you know, t- these days you still have people trying to separate those who are in and those who are out. Um, yeah. I mean, Jason and I have talked about this on this podcast so many times that we need to stop with the whole insider outsider thinking, yeah. um, this has been accomplished for all mankind yeah. for all time. Right. And so, uh, you know, our role really becomes those that are reconciling the, uh, people, uh, into that understanding and awareness mm-hmm. of what they already possess the Christ in them, hope, the hope of glory 
is embedded in them the way that the sin nature was embedded in them mm-hmm. prior to that. Uh, and it no longer is a problem. It's no longer mm-hmm. an issue. And so awakening to that, I can, I can totally hear some people listening to this podcast oh, and hearing no. you talk about uh, women five, six, <laughs> and seven. It's like, oh, see, there it. it's heresy. She's a Marcionite. Oh, she's no. ripping scripture out. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. Uh, she's amplifying it so we can get to the point of what its purpose really is. And that is the revelation of Jesus, uh, who is the word of God. And so I love, I love that you finished up that last statement with grace is a person and, uh, and grace is within you. And, uh, the sin issue is just not an issue anymore. One thing I think I, I get really, um, short with people who, are so worried and anxious about like the church, you know, and especially the American church. It's so screwed up. It's getting ready to go off the rails. And if we don't hold, you know, if we don't do this, this, and this, it's just going to go, you know, go to hell in a handbasket. It's like, no, Jesus is not in the throne room, twiddling his thumbs, worried about his church. It's, it is finished. Those three words keep coming back. Yes. And, um, and for us, it, it becomes a, a healthy reminder of, Jesus not only is grace, he is salvation. He is healing. Yes. You know, I, I saw an article recently that the pool of Siloam has been excavated in mm-hmm. Israel, like the actual literal pool of Siloam, uh, Bethsaida, where Jesus healed the lame man. He couldn't get in because, you know, the angel came down, stirred the water. He didn't have somebody to help him. And I was like, man, that's really cool. Like the pool has been actually ex- excavated, excavated, and now there's this, like reality that this is a, a historical place. It kind of brings more, more reality to the scriptures for maybe those mm-hmm. that need more reality. But I just heard the Lord say to me, uh, Derek, I am the pool of Bethsaida. Come on. We didn't have to push him in. All, all I had to do was go to him and he had to come to me. Yeah. Wow. And um, the more I think we can see the scarlet thread of Jesus Mm-hmm. navigate navigating us through scripture which jason and i talked extensively on this as being the emmaus way of reading scripture mm-hmm. we let jesus and our rabbi the spirit of god lead us into you know our reading especially of the old old covenant but um you know i, I love that that's what you're doing in this book uh, and I would just encourage everybody to go out and buy a copy of It Is Finished by Robin Smith, S-M-I-T. You can't miss it. One, one thing you mentioned here in the last chapter okay. that I wanted, I wanted to make everybody aware of because I love this statement. You captivated him from before time began. You, Derek, Robin, yeah. Jason, you, ca- you captivated God yeah. from before time began that that's a little different thinking than well i'm just a pile of dung and i'm snow covered by the righteousness of jesus and god sees kind of through that mm-hmm. no no that that speaks of my value yeah and as the reason why god became one of us to rescue all of us yeah. and that's just a, that's a little different twist when you're trying to relate to people the goodness of god the kindness of god that truly is the means of drawing them into changing their mind, repenting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I love, I love that that was kind of how you finished up the book and also about speaking, you know, co-speaking mm. 
with him and how important it is to get our words lined up with his words, our thoughts lined up with his words. But to know that you were, you captivated God. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Well, one day I was uh, reading the, the verse that talks about how, you know, when we were yet sinners, you know, when we were dead in our trespasses, you know, when we were at our ugliest, you know, he loved us, Yeah, you know, and that verse just went off on the inside of me. And I realized it was in that moment that I realized, wow, you've never looked at me through the lens of Jesus. It's not like you had to put your Jesus glasses on, right. like I was told, you know, right. before you could even look at me. Right. Right. You've seen me and you've always seen me. You know, I captivated you from before time began. Yeah. You know, when I was a thought in his heart, you know, when he planned out my destiny, you know, he was captivated with me. And there's never a moment in all of my ugliness and, and bad behavior and, you know, anything I've ever done in life, all my mistakes, you know, he's always loved me yeah. and, and not just loved me because he had to. I take his breath away, you know, <laughs> he's captivated. I mean, that's just such a, yeah. gosh, when you tell people that and on your best day, yeah, he's no more captivated with you than he is on your worst day. Yeah. You know, when you're in the gutter, yeah, he's still, yeah. you are it for him. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're his, you're his masterpiece. You're his poetry. I think his several different translations yeah. talk about, uh, yeah, I really love that. Rob, and I think that anyone who's listening to this podcast, uh, if they were to get a hold of your book, I think they're going to, and because I think people struggle, they really struggle believing this, uh, that they are loved to that degree. I usually take people to John 17 and remind them of the prayer of Jesus. You know, when Mm -hmm. he said, Hey, I'm no longer just praying for these disciples that can hear me. Those that are in earshot of me. I'm also praying Mm -hmm. for those who will believe in me because of their word, because of their witness. Well, he all of a sudden shifted his prayer and he's talking about us. We yeah. believe on Jesus because of those disciples witness. But so what did he say? What was his prayer? Well, people talk about that. We may be one just as you and I, you father and I are one. And that's important, of course. But the, the end of that statement is that they would believe that father, you love them as much as you love me. Yeah. As much and like, in the same way. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. yeah. It really is. And so I, I at least have people like, hey, can you at least believe the prayer of Jesus? Maybe you can't believe it fully that God loves you that much, but maybe you could just believe that Jesus' prayer will be answered because <laughs> yeah. he prayed it. He said, I believe that they will understand and know that you love them as much as you love me. Um, mm. And now I'll ask people that. Do you think Jesus' prayer is going to get answered? Oh, yeah, of course. He's Jesus. Well, what did he pray? <laughs> that you would understand and know that yeah. you're loved as much as he is. And that starts opening people's eyes. That's, that's where I'm, you know, the end game for me uh, is love. And, um, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm working through it. But, um, you know, that always speaks to family and relationship. Um, yeah. And that's why I think why Jason and I get along so well. <laughs> we, we have the same things. But, um, uh, Robin, I, I just, I really want to thank you for writing this book and for writing mm-hmm. your other materials as well. But I, w- I want to uh, introduce people to this new venture that you and your husband have of helping people publish their works and their thoughts. Yeah. Um, you started a publishing company, uh, also yes. ghostwriting and many other things. Can, can you talk about that a little bit? I want people to know about what you guys are, are doing right now. 
Oh, absolutely. It's my passion these days. You know, it's the Writers' Society. Um, the I had a message from two people that were uh, looking to get their books out, didn't know how to go about it. One of them just didn't, uh, actually both of them didn't want to write a book. They just wanted to get a book out. And uh, so I sat on that for a minute and I heard the Lord say, will you put your writing aside? Because I was right in the middle of a new book. Um, and he said, will you put your writing aside and get involved in this and, and empower others to write their books, you know, um, because a few years ago, I heard the Lord say, empower my people, you know, and that was his mission to me. And so everything I do has to fall under that with empowering others. And so I started some workshops, some writing workshops, and those are fun. And we went through 15 weeks and I pulled books out of people um, just by encouraging them, you know, you can write a book, it's in you. And every week, you know, I'd see them through and help them and encourage them. And uh, one girl came out and she published hers. And there's several others that are being um, edited right wow. now and ready to publish. Um, so we started the Writers Society. And it is a publishing company. It's a it's a Grace Trinitarian publishing company. Um and everything we do has to fall within that parameter um, of theology. But we're doing some ghostwriting, which isn't your typical ghostwriting. We're taking uh, ministers who have messages um, that want to leave a legacy of books behind. And we're taking their, their messages, transcribing them, and then uh, I'm rewriting those and turning those into books. Right now, I'm the only one doing that. Um, so I'm looking to put a team together um, of people who can do that. Um, and they're not free sure. services, you know. Um, we definitely, yeah. we, it's a business. Uh, but the other side of that is that we're developing a community of writers, of Grace and Trinitarian writers, and not just book writers, but music writers, uh, screenwriters, mm-hmm. curriculum writers, Bible study writers, you know, whatever type of journalists, you know, I would love to see that. Of just all across the United States coming together and empowering each other and encouraging each other and, you know, having maybe fellowship times where they just encourage each other in their giftings, you know, and I'm super excited about that. Um, but we are taking uh, right now, we're, we're, the most of what we're doing is just books. And I've gotten uh, four published wow. so far. So I have four and I have eight more in my project queue right now. So we've gotten pretty busy. Um, we're doing Don Keithley's books. Uh, we just did a book for, I don't know if you know, Tommy Miller. Uh, we did his book called Deathless, which will really challenge you. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, Malcolm Smith, you guys know Malcolm yeah. Smith, uh, yeah. doing Malcolm's books for him um, and getting those out there. We're working on one right now. And so it's, I'm excited. It's become my passion. It's become a full-time job is what it has right. become. Right. So uh, I just joined the uh, Facebook group just this today <laughs> and I answered yes. a few questions. And one of them yeah. was about Trinitarian theology and, and, uh, and I loved that. And, yes. Um, but I love, so I'm a writer and we talked about it briefly before we started and I've been doing it for several years and, and, uh, and Derek's been working on something. So this might be a good fit. I don't know. He's got lots going on. <laughs> I talked to Derek. Yes. But, uh, yeah. but I love, 
um, the help that you're offering. Uh, I've, I've done a couple self-published and even that it can be overwhelming. And then to find somebody that can help you yeah. edit um, or uh, can partner with you and encourage you, especially if you're a new writer. I, I always, I, I, uh, I always talk about mm-hmm. that first book and how I had two editors, one that was just like, you're amazing. You're just the best thing ever. Uh, <laughs> and you needed that. And then somebody else that would actually help you edit the thing and go, yeah, that needs to go there. That's not right. <laughs> um, that's so funny. I think that's really important. And, uh, and I also love that you, you, you said this, um, because I think everybody has a book in them, but not there's not everybody's a writer. That's the first thing I, I yeah. say to people when they when they talk to me about writing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you want to be a writer or do you got a message? And yes. and most people, of course, have a message. Mm-hmm. And being a writer is a is like anything. It it takes it takes time, and you you pour yourself into it. It's a craft. Yeah. But I, I love that you're specifically focusing on, on a message that I think the church is ready for, that I believe yeah. is the transformative message of the day yep. that I'm convinced is actually the movement, the next awakening that we're yeah. on the cusp of and in the midst of. Uh, it's this, it is finished. I'm curious about Deathless. I mean, I have just from our conversation, I imagine uh, that's going to be one heck of a book. Uh, so I, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that you're you're focused on a uh, on this specific uh, theological lens that is, I think, life giving, and 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 the church, I think, is ready for this. They mm-hmm. we need more content. The, we've got a market flooded with sin counting con uh, sin conscious content that is yes. that is uh, it's it's the endless. What am I still lacking from the rich young ruler who yes. who uh, we just keep putting out, churning out more and more content of uh, yes. it takes you down that road of lack. And so yes. I'm grateful for that. I think uh, I think we need to talk more on a personal level. But oh, I love that. Well, I I needed some parameters for it because there's a lot of people <laughs> writing books in Facebook world right now, you know, and uh, they have a lot yeah. of different beliefs on what grace is. And so I needed to set some parameters and Trinitarian, you know, was, was a biggie for me. And then Christological, you know, was another uh, lens. And obviously, you know, not everybody's going to have the same, um, be at the same spot in their journey of finished, you know, so I can't expect, you know, someone may not believe it's all finished like I do. And that's okay. um, As long as there's no transactional, message coming through in the book that was I don't want a transactional um so I don't necessarily some of my writers may have something in their book that I don't necessarily believe the same thing which has challenged me as a writer to be able to write it and have their voice in it and yet oh I don't know if I believe this you know but you know (laughs) to get it out there with because keeping their voice in their books is huge you know and I didn't work with an editor like you did on my first book, I did my own editing, um, and just kind of struggled through it. And, uh, but I think it makes you a better writer when you do your own at times, but, um, I'm super excited. I'm excited to get more, uh, to build a clientele list, you know, and get some of the big names in grace circles, you know, in Trinitarian circles, you know, uh, so that it will be launch. It it will become bigger, you know, so that more, writers will come in they'll look at it and they'll say oh malcolm smith's books are in here well i believe malcolm smith's books i like that and then they'll come through you know and just empowering people in their writing process i'm loving my workshops i've got um one called writing the first draft 
and it's an uh, eight weeks, um, six weeks, I'm sorry, six week workshop where I walk them through writing a book from getting, you know, developing those writing muscles, you know, to setting goals and getting in the right mindset and then doing an outline. And it's fun. I love all these little newbie writers that are like nervous and I don't know what I want to write, but I know I want to write. And it's just been fun. I'm having a good time. I feel like this is destiny for me. You know, there are things you do in life and it feels like this was what I was created for. You know, yeah, um, yeah, I, I totally, get, I totally get that that vibe. And if it, you need any kind of uh, prophetic confirmation, uh, I say, I say yes. That's I love that. That's it. You, you, because you, you, uh, you are that person who is both people that Jason had on either side. You're the encourager and the one that really knows what they're yep. doing to be able to yes. edit it in a proper way. And um, I, I think you're right. I yep. think. Yes. Uh, you know, you get some bigger names in there. Sure. That's going to be an influential catalyst, but don't be surprised if there's some new ones in there that turn out to be like, yes. Oh, this person just jacked into yes. a new level. Um, I, when you were talking, I got the image of, you know, we were talking about the J- Jason said that the market's flooded with sin conscious, you know, material, <laughs> you know, that game that you play at the arcade where, you, you put money in and it kind of pushes a bar out and there's a bunch of stuff on the edge just ready to fall over. Um, yeah. I, I yeah, got yeah. the image of like, yeah. you know, all the sin conscious stuff, you know, Robin, you're, you're going to yes. order in and the bar's just going to push it all out. It's going to be like, let's get rid of all that. Love let's that. start with some of this. Some of this I love here. So um, yeah, we're, gonna I love we're, we're super proud of you. We are on team Robin and what's your husband? Thank name? you. Steve. Steve, Robin, we're on Steve, Steve. Robin and Steve, Steve. So thank you so thank much you. for going into this venture. Thank you. And for coming on our podcast today. Jason, what what uh, what else you got? Yeah. Well, I mean, we we got to talk tacos for a second. <laughs> it's in the title. It's in the title. Uh, you're a, you're you're a Californian. We love you're tacos. You're Californian. Yeah. So, yeah. Tacos are our life. I mean, we eat tacos all the time. And our daughter's wedding, we had a taco truck. Um, (laughs) We just my husband and I go to this little. We live um, we live in Southern California on the beach, so we have tacos everywhere. There's taco shops, but up here at the farm, uh, we have this little taco truck around the corner from us down the street at a packing shed. Um, And so we do our dates, our lunch dates. We go to that taco truck and have tacos. Yeah. My daughter. It's a California thing. What we need, though, Robin, we need you to describe in drooling detail <laughs> your favorite, your favorite taco experience. Can you do that for us? I don't know. My favorite taco experience. Um, you know, I, my favorite. I have. I would have to say is just when we do them at home and we get the grill going and we do the chicken with all the seasonings and then they're very simple. We just do the little small flour tortillas with just that chicken, cilantro, avocado, of course, because we're California, pineapple yeah. salsa yeah, yeah. that we make from scratch. You know, and those mango oh, on the side. Yeah, those are our favorites. So. <laughs> You're describing a religious experience. What, what, what. Yeah, and also what I hear you saying, what I hear you saying is that 
you do not discriminate against any tacos. No. no, fish tacos, beef tacos, pork tacos, yeah, chicken. No, we like them all out here. <laughs> Potato tacos. All right. yeah. I like the taco truck at the wedding. We have one a wedding coming in a few months here, five months. And, uh, and I tried to talk her into taco truck. We've got a couple other trucks coming, but, um, uh, I haven't won out on the tacos yet, but, but uh, oh, I, I think, you it know, was fun. I, I'm helping pay for this thing. Maybe I should just pull some triggers here, get the taco truck. <laughs> you would think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, are you in North Carolina as well, Jason? We're in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Very around. nice. Yeah. We're right yeah. down the street from each other. We, we, uh, yeah. we're close. Okay. So that seems to be the biggest state for the writer's society. Everybody, when I asked, where are you from? It seems like everybody is in North Carolina. So I think we need to do like a writing workshop in Good. North Carolina. That's yeah. Great. I think that'd be fun. Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. That's right. <laughs> fun. We got a spot for you. I bet I'm speaking on behalf of Derek, but I bet you. I love it. I love it. I was just in North Carolina. Um, a year ago, I was speaking at a home church in, um, Gosh, I don't remember the name of the town. It was very small, yeah. Uh, but a home church, and so that was that was fun. One lady argued with me through the entire three day messages, you know, and she kept asking a bunch of questions. But you know, at the end, she started crying and she said, "I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, he loves me. Yeah. Love it. That, that's the journey, yeah. isn't it? I, I mean, that's what I love is is when you're really walking in grace, then you get to just walk with yeah. people wherever they are in the journey, understanding that it is it is a journey, it is a process. Yes. And um, share with folks just uh, the website so so they know where to find you. You can find us at robinsmith.com. That one's an easy one. It's S M I T, no H. Um, and you can find us at the writers society dot online. Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, we're grateful. We're grateful to have had you. Oh, thank you. This was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Robin, thank you so much. And once again, I want to encourage people to, uh, get out there, read some stuff on your site, but do yourself a favor and purchase a copy of it is finished. I think it will give you a great, uh, aid in your journey and in your ability to help others on their journey. Yeah. So get a, get a copy of Robin's book. Thank you. Hey guys, we're so glad that you are joining us. You can find me, Derek Turner, at rivercharlotte.com. That's my church. And I'm on all the social medias yes. as Pastor Derek T. D-E-R-E-K, Pastor Derek T. I'm also on Twitter uh, at Jason Clark is. Uh, and you can find all of these podcasts, including season one, on all of the platforms, Apple, uh, Spotify, uh, all the places. All the places. You can also go to afamilystory.org, and everything's there. If you sign up for our mailing list, we send out a weekly email that has uh, articles, podcast information, and uh, we also let you know about new books coming out or events that we're uh, connected to. So, yeah. Uh, like, share, retweet, and uh, and man, if you could write a review, it actually does something for the rankings. It, it, it does, it yeah. So. But a five star review, of course. <laughs> yes. You know, if you can't write a five star review or something, <laughs> like just don't even write don't, a review. Don't worry, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like if you can't say something nice, don't say anything, don't say at, anything all. at all. I, I like that, and then apply that to this podcast. Definitely. <laughs> That's my motto. That's I like what it. I do. I love it. So love you guys. Appreciate you coming on the ride with us. God bless.